0: This week on The Take, we're marking one year since a pair of devastating earthquakes hit Turkey and Syria with a new digital interactive. Listen and watch stories of survival, recovery, and coping with the grief at aj.audio forward slash earthquakes. Again, that's aj.audio forward slash earthquakes.
1: Al Jazeera Podcasts.
0: Welcome to Necessary Tomorrows. My name is Ursula. I am an AI, and I have inferred from your online activity that you have been feeling more dread than hope when you think about the future that is coming for us here in the 2060s. So I have created a course just for you to enhance your capacity for imagining different futures. Necessary Tomorrows, an audio series by Doha Debates and Al Jazeera. Find it where you listen to podcasts.
2: world leaders blame Vladimir Putin for the death of his most outspoken critic. Will the unexplained passing in prison of Alexei Navalny change anything in Russia, or will the voices of dissent become too afraid to challenge the power of the Kremlin? Hello, I'm Adrian Finnegan, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyse and help to define major global stories. All right, let's bring in our guests. From Moscow, we're joined by Vladimir Sotnikov, who's an Associate Professor of International Relations at the Higher School of Economics University. From London, we're joined by Samuel Romani, an Associate Fellow at the Royal United Services Institute. That's a defence and security think tank. And joining us from Serbia's capital, Belgrade, is Peter Nikotin, a Russian pro-democracy activist and lawyer. A warm welcome to you all, gentlemen. Peter, let's start with you. Your... Uh, your thoughts on the death of Alexei Navalny and what it means for Russia's pro-democracy movement. Where does it go from here? Uh,
1: this this is uh, this is a great tragedy for uh, for Russia as a country and for millions of people who knew and loved and supported Alexei Navalny. We had a spontaneous rally here in Belgrade yesterday, uh, where people came with flowers, lit candles, and. Um, hugged and, uh, and wept, and uh, it was really as though we lost uh, a dear person. Uh, where does it go from here? Um, it depends on whether we, as uh, pro-democracy Russians, both activists and usual people, ordinary people, are, are going to follow what uh, Alexei said uh, to us when he was asked what we should do if he gets killed. He said, don't give up. Uh, If this happens, this means that they're weak and we have to just work harder uh, and protest louder. If we do that, uh, Navalny will uh, will win even, even from his grave. If we don't, he will have given his life in vain.
2: Samuel Romani, your thoughts on the death of Alexei Navalny and what it means for the future of democracy in Russia?
0: Well, I mean, it's obviously one of the final blows to whatever is left of democracy inside Russia because Navalny's uh, death did not occur in a vacuum. Even before the uh, Russian full scale invasion of Ukraine began in February 2022, civil society organisations were facing severe crackdowns, human rights groups like Memorial were shut down, and since the uh, invasion we've seen Vladimir Karamutsa a similar fate returning to Russia, having 25 years in prison, Ilya Yashin also being cracked down upon, and other dissidents. So this is a major blow to uh, democracy inside Russia. It also represents Vladimir Putin's broader strategy of cracking down on the two faces of nationalist opposition, the liberal nationalist anti-corruption uh, campaign of Navalny, and also the ultra-nationalist uh, vision of Yevgeny Prigozhin. And now I think that Putin is relatively unchallenged heading into these elections.
2: Samuel, is, is Russia now a totalitarian state, a mafia state?
0: Well, I think it's certainly been a mafia state for quite a long time. I mean, you've seen the uh, assassinations of people like Alexander Litvinenko in 2006, the Skripal poisoning, uh, Boris Nemtsov. This is a state that clearly does not have much respect for the rule of law when it comes to how Putin and some of his surrogates, like Chechnya's leader, Amza Kadyrov, operate. But now I think it's not just a mafia state. It's also a totalitarian one. I think that after the elections, we will see moves like the conscription of 400,000 new soldiers into the Russian military occur, most likely without protest and without backlash and a further movement towards a war economy.
2: OK, let's bring in uh, Vladimir. Uh, Russia is now not just a mafia state, but a totalitarian state. What do you make of that? And, and what's your take on the death of Alexei Navalny?
3: Uh, thank you. Thank you very much for having me on your show. First of all, let me disagree uh, with the previous speaker, with Samuel, because I think Russia is not a current state. If you just compare the history, this is not like Stalinist era. We have, uh, we have democracy. We have democratic institutions here in Russia. Secondly, uh, what my personal uh, the death of Navalny. You know, uh, I must say that I met him briefly exactly four years ago when uh, he was giving an interview, a full-fledged interview, first interview to the Western TV company, uh, to CNN. I, I wasn't so much, uh, frankly speaking, I wasn't so much impressed about what he was saying, but I saw in his office, because the interview took place in his office, of the uh, fbk this is a uh, uh, fund for fighting uh, fighting corruption, I saw a lot of young people who were very much enthusiastic. And I thought to myself, I thought that, Okay, probably this guy is a professional politician, and at least he has a goal, a goal to what he is striving. So, uh, if uh, just shortly talking about his death, I think, and I, I can agree with the other speakers, that this is really a tragedy, a tragedy for political thought uh, in, in Russia. This is a tragedy, personal tragedy for his family, for his children, and probably for the future, which is uh, still unclear.
2: Okay, we'll we'll throw this back to Samuel in just a moment, but but Vladimir was was Alexei Navalny viewed differently do you think there in Russia to the way that he was viewed in the West?
3: Uh yes, yes, I think that uh, actually what 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 I what I, hear, what I heard in his interview, he was uh, proposing a, a sort of a program which really I couldn't understand at all uh, very well because you know there were some slogans as I, as, I, as I think, uh, and uh, uh, at the same time he was uh, suggesting some specific actions. But let me say one thing: I think I think that uh, Russian society, especially the ordinary people, they are not get used still to any drastic changes. You know, the the, uh, the, the whole public. Uh, right now, when he died, is thinking about how to mm, pursue the, his own uh, well-being, well-being than just to see uh, that they took part in any drastic actions like uh, descent, uh, any, any dissent in Russia. And uh, At the same time, I must say that, to my mind, as a historian, uh, the, uh, any attempt of dissent in Russian history was never very much successful if we take Decabrists uh, and then go to Solzhenitsyn and other um, other people who were in the Soviet Union. So in, in, in this sense, I think that, uh, I was saying that the future is unclear because I don't know who actually uh, will be uh, doing what in the future because the so-called pro-democracy groups, uh, uh, they call themselves pro-democracy or anyway, but uh, this is a long story. Uh, to uh, suggest something tangible for Russian society.
2: Samuel, do you want to come back on that? Was Navalny and what he represented someone who truly bothered President Putin to the extent that he would want him dead? Uh, Secretary of State Antony Blinken said that Putin had a fixation and fear of one man who underscored the weakness and rot at the heart of the system that Putin has created. Uh, Is he right? What danger did Navalny pose to Putin?
0: Well, Navalny definitely was one of the most tenacious and one of the most uh, dedicated activists in terms of exposing the corruption that surrounded Vladimir Putin's system, as well as some of the excesses of it. I mean, he was certainly important in inspiring the demonstrations against electoral fraud in 2012 and Bloodland Square, which were some of the last uh, major demonstrations. He also was helpful in inspiring demonstrations against Putin's domestic agenda uh, not being implemented in full, and exposing the corruption of senior officials like Dmitry Medvedev, which may have even contributed to his reassignment from the prime minister position into the National Security Council. So he certainly was somebody who had the ability to mobilize people, rattle Putin, and even at times induce concessions. Uh, Right now in prison, it's hard to see him being uh, so much of a threat, but he did continue to express his views on Twitter, on regular videos, on regular uh, uh, attempts, uh, and also through his team working abroad. And maybe it's just part of Putin's broader desire to clamp down on all forms of dissent ahead of the March 2024 elections to prevent liberal protests and also to prevent internationalist unrest, which is why Yurkin and Prigozhin are off the scene too.
2: Peter, do you want to respond to what you've heard from Vladimir and, and Samuel before I put a question to you?
0: Uh,
1: yes, I would like to make a point. I heard those wo- words from Vladimir about democratic institutions in Russia. And before this program started, I also heard those words Uh, on 17th of March, Russians will have the opportunity to choose. That is not true. There there are no democratic institutions in Russia. There is no judicial system. There is no parliament. Uh, Already about 10 years ago, the chairman of the Russian Duma came came with those famous words, uh, the state Duma, the parliament, is not a place for discussions. And that's how it's been ever since. It's 100% Putin supporters. Uh, millions of people who are against this policy are unrepresented. They're not allowed to, uh, to speak up. They're not allowed to run for elections. And, they're, and, and when they vote in elections, their votes are stolen and rigged. So I would like to speak directly to, to, the, to your viewers and those who are seeing this. Do not believe it when after the 17th of March, you see headlines, Russians have elected Putin again. Putin is not Russia. He doesn't represent Russia. Russia is not a democracy in any way. It's a dictatorship, and that's how you should view it.
2: OK, I'll be back with you in just a second, Peter, but we've got to give Vladimir a, a, a right to reply uh, to that. Russia is in no way a democracy, Vladimir.
3: Well, I heard... I had, right now, I heard what was uh, Peter was saying. Actually, no, uh, this is his personal point of view, you know. I mean, uh, that... Uh, he uh, has mistaken in many things, I think. First of all, uh, it looks uh, from the uh, watches of the show, it looks like we are living, they're all living in the slavery. My, my person, myself, I'm not, I, I, I don't think that I'm living in the slavery. I can I can take actions of my person, I can criticize. So uh, what, do you, what do you think, Peter? This is not a democracy. So we are living in a Stalinist era, we are living in a slavery. You know, again, let's get back to the elections.
2: All right. I, you I don't see... Want to, uh, I, I, I don't want to, to, yes. this to dissolve into an argument, but, but Peter, do you, do you just want to come back on okay. that for a moment?
1: I'm sorry. You, as far as I understand, Professor Skotnikov is actually in the pay of the Russian government. He's sitting there getting paid by the Russian government and advocating the Russian government's position, which is his right and uh, he, he surely must be given a voice, but I, I don't think you can take seriously his words that he is able to criticize it, uh, to criticize the Russian government. I haven't heard a single word of criticism uh, from him so far, and I don't know him as uh, Russian government critics. The Russian government critics that I do know are exiled in jail or dead, like Alexei Navalny. Those are people, that's what happens to people when they criticize. Uh, the government in Russia, and that's a dictatorship, just like North Korea, uh, just like Eritrea, just like Belarus, and any other standard dictatorships. And that's how I ask the viewers uh, right now to regard Putin's Russia. It's a, it's, it's a country where power is usurped, and the, the so-called president does not represent his people. They never elected him after the year 2000.
2: Okay, Vladimir, I'll give you the right to reply to that in just a moment, but we must bring Samuel back in. Samuel, reaction from the West to Navalny's death was was swift. The UK's Foreign Office summoned Russian diplomats, saying that it holds the Russian authorities fully responsible. There were statements from President Biden, Antony Blinken, the EU Council President, Chancellor Schultz, the Secretary-General of NATO, the list goes on. What tools does the West have to constrain or punish Putin further? Can we expect further sanctions on Russia, do you think, or some other form of, of punitive action now?
0: So I've been talking to uh, Russians, uh, pro-democracy activists and people around Navalny over the past 24 hours, and one of the biggest things that they uh, told me was that they were very frustrated with the West's uh, lack of response to uh, Navalny's uh, previous mistreatment in prison. His disappearance that occurred uh, shortly before his uh, eventual death. And uh, they really felt that the words that came from Joe Biden, where he was talking about the devastating consequences that would be imposed on Russia, were somewhat hollow. So now it's incumbent on the West to uh, prove those uh, criticisms to be wrong and to take action of some kind. However, I think that the action will most likely be confined to additional sanctions on perpetrators, maybe the expansion of the Magnitsky Act of human rights violators. And that will probably end up just sanctioning people who already are sanctioned and don't have much inclination to move to the West. The other, the other thing that's interesting, though, is will this have a role in expediting or facilitating the House Republicans passing the $60 billion aid package towards Ukraine? Because many of the Republicans who are holding up that package have also in the past been critical of Vladimir Putin's human rights abuses and have stood up for human rights in Russia. So will this finally be the movement that leads to that? If that aid package moves forward, that would be at least some kind of a substantive response to Navalny's death.
2: Okay. Um, uh, Vladimir, uh, do you think that apart from... Issuing statements uh, uh, saying that it holds uh, President Putin responsible okay. for the death of Alexei Navalny, how how uh, else do you think it, the West will respond?
3: I don't think I, I don't think that will be uh, very harsh actions uh, because, uh, as, as as we all know, there are thirteen packages of sanctions as being uh, debated in the European Union. So. Uh, probably the U.S. Uh, President Biden will uh, be imposing some 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 personal sanctions uh, against some political figures in Russia, but that, that would be all. Uh, another thing, uh, let me just comment on what Peter was saying, Mr. Peter Nikitin was saying. He accused me, as I understood, that I'm being paid by the state, so I'm just uh, uh, voicing what the state thinks. Let me ask one simple question. Peter, uh, could you say to our viewers who are you paid by? Uh, Are you paid by yourself? Are you paid by the Serbian state, or are you paid from any kind of Western institutions which are very much interested? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay.
2: All right, Peter. Before I put a question to you, answer that.
1: Right. So, do you want me to answer now? Yeah. Please do. So I'm a I'm a freelance legal translator. Uh, I worked for 15 years in international law firms, uh, first in Paris, uh, then in London. Right now I, I, I'm I'm earning, I'm making my bread as a freelance legal translator from several languages into several languages. I live in a two-room apartment in Belgrade. I'm not in any way connected to any government. And insofar okay. as the activities we are organizing here in Belgrade are concerned, those are financed right. by donations, given mostly in cash, by the Russian exile community here, which is very large. That is by whom I am paid. I am not. Uh, uh, I don't hold a position at the state university, like All my interlocutor.
2: Okay, let's let's get back to Alexei Navalny. Um, Peter, uh, Gary Kasparov, writing on X, said that quote. Putin is Navalny's killer, make no mistake, but there's blame enough to share, first for the Russians who failed to match Alexei's courage to end Putin's dictatorship and war. My rage and eternal scorn, though, to the Western politicians who treated Navalny's poisoning and jailing as just another negotiating point with Putin. Big talk, no action, he said. More blood on their hands. How valid is that criticism?
1: Well, as, uh, uh, I'm sorry. It was a very long quote, and I'm not. I'm not quite sure what what Mr. Kasparov was trying to say. Mr. Kasparov, uh, as far as he's concerned, I wish he uh, he supported Navalny while while he was alive, rather than after he died. Uh, as far as I understood, the topic is what's the West going to do now? Is that right? Yeah. But my view is I don't know what the West is going to do, but I know what the West should do and actually should have done long ago. Uh, The West should first stop recognizing Vladimir Putin as a legitimate representative of the Russian people, stop any kind of contacts with him apart from those that are essential uh, for, uh, for security purposes. Second, the West should finally implement the sanctions that it's already introduced, because we know that Putin is still producing rockets, including with elements imported from the West, from Western countries, and even from the United States. Third, the West should finally give Ukraine what Ukraine needs uh, in order to defend itself and in order to end this war. This is what the West should do. And I I hope that uh, Navalny's death will prompt the West to action. To more serious action than, than than has been showing right now. Unfortunately, I don't have very much hope for that.
2: Samuel, Navalny believed that exile would lead to political irrelevance. He was determined to stay in Russia. Uh, as you heard in, in Laura's report at the beginning of the program, he was jailed after returning from Germany after uh, being poisoned. Um, he was behind bars when Russia invaded Ukraine. Would he have been, do you think, a more effective opposition voice Had he remained outside Russia?
0: Well, it's really hard to say uh, whether he would have been or not. I would say that, obviously, there is uh, some possibility that he would have still been a public figure, and influential voice, but his views may have had a lot more difficulty reaching uh, ordinary Russians because some of the restrictions on social media and some of the restrictions on media censorship, he still could have gotten his voice out, but it may have been a bit harder. And I think that, you know, there needs to be more coordination between the Russian diaspora communities that have formed particularly amongst liberals in countries like Armenia, Georgia, Serbia, and also elsewhere in Europe, for there okay. to be more of a uh, chance of concrete action. So oh. I think that uh, Navalny's obviously would have, his life probably would have been saved by staying okay. abroad, but uh, his impact uh, on and his legacy may have been quite different. Vladimir,
2: the Kremlin always claimed that Navalny was just a minor political figure, but President Putin was clearly bothered by him, wasn't he? Uh, refusing even to say his name when asked about him, uh, why was that?
3: I think uh, for Vladimir Putin, for President Vladimir Putin, he's really, uh, he was really a minor political political leader. You know, I mean that uh, when when, uh, when Russian president uh, met uh, with the the uh, general secretary of united nations uh, with the uh, presidents of, of the united states and other countries what do you think by the way what how can just regard uh, how can he regard and um, uh, navalny although uh, myself i personally think that he was a great uh, professional political professional you see so what, what president uh, putin could think about navalny you know and uh, let me let me disagree again with my um, uh, with my colleagues that uh, the uh, total prosecution of the person's killing uh, a killing of the opponents. You know, uh, the, uh, the, the picture that they are showing in, in what they are saying uh, for the viewers is very much green. So it, 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 it makes an impression that probably Russia is a bad country under Putin. Uh, Putin is a bad guy. And all the West has to do is just to remove him from power. But it's not like that, believe me. It's not like that. The people, people, uh, not, uh, not not obediently, uh, not okay. uh, by force, will be voting for him, and you will see the results.
2: All right. One last question uh, to Peter. Um, what will Alexei Navalny's legacy be, uh, given the way in which Russia has gone under President Putin? Did he die in vain?
1: Uh, Alexei Navalny's legacy will be uh, Russia's conscience. He 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 did a lot to clear Russian, Russia's name uh, before the world. The name of the Russian people. He showed that that not all Russian people, like the like Vladimir said, obediently obediently go and and vote for Putin. There are Russian people who resist, who are not afraid. And uh, he was the, the greatest example of that. The future depends on us, and it depends on on you, the viewers, whether you will support us uh, and, and Ukraine, or whether you're going to simply ignore us.
2: OK, the gentlemen, we must end it. Vladimir Sotnikov, Samuel Romani and Peter Nikitin, Thank many thanks indeed for being with us on the programme. This episode was produced by Christina DaCosta, Laura Kahn, Abla Klar, and Jim Gilchrist. Studio sound was by Aston Goodison. The programme was edited by Manish Mathai, Zena Bada and Joda Frias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. And thanks for listening. Tune in again on Sunday for our next edition.